I'm Kaylee Arrett, and you're listening to episode five of Me When I'm Free. Who is this me when I'm free? And why does it even matter? This is the question that has spurred me on for years now. It's led me down some dark roads of healing and up joyful mountains of calling. And to this moment, right now, still on the journey and inviting you to join me. If it really is true that the glory of God is man or woman fully alive, then it would appear that God would want this even more than we do. But why? Why is this important to him? Doesn't he have more important things to attend to than whether or not we know ourselves and what we have to bring to the world? These are some of the questions I want us to explore together each week through a simple story, a few moments of reflection, and space to pray. Join me, friend. As I finished up the counseling sessions I mentioned in previous episodes, I began to seek a new normal, learning how to slowly and deliberately move toward authenticity, first with my husband, then with others who could hear my story well. My eyes had been opened to the ways that I seek to meet my needs apart from dependence on God's love for me. But I couldn't quite imagine yet what freedom, living into my true self, really looked like. It proved to be more challenging than I imagined it would. We do not attach to our sin patterns because they feel bad. There is some kind of reward in these constructed ways of finding our identity, even if we aren't sure what it is. That's why it's so hard to stop returning to the same old habits. It feels like a loss. The old patterns might not be working, but at least they are what we know. I like how Ruth Haley Barton frames learning to move into freedom around the story of the children of Israel's journey through the wilderness. She writes in The Truths That Free Us, When the children of Israel embarked on their journey into the freedom of the promised land, they first had to experience the truth about their bondage with a greater level of realism. The scriptures indicate that for a period of time when they lived as slaves in Egypt, they were unaware to the extent of their bondage. They might have even thought that living under someone else's rule was the only option they had. While the conditions of their bondage were familiar and secure, the call to freedom would involve risk and unknown territory. They needed to believe in the possibility of freedom and desire it enough to risk walking away from the known into the unknown. That is the journey for us as well. 
In the following months, as I began to take steps away from my attachment to what others thought, I experienced one of those moments where something I thought would be a step toward freedom did not go as I planned. It honestly made me mad. All of my old ways of proving myself came rushing back to the surface. How could this be freedom? In tears, later that day, I told my husband that I felt as though I had hit a wall. At that time, I was participating in an emotionally healthy spirituality class through our church. I was unaware that the reading that week was titled, The Journey Through the Wall. As I read the chapter the next day, I cried at how deeply it resonated with me. I sensed that God was telling me that he was not done with me, that there was hope waiting for me on the other side of the wall, that I would learn to see myself as he sees me and not as who my shame tells me that I am. I scribbled in my journal, what is my wall? Then I wrote, an attachment to who I falsely think I am and how I want others to view me and an inability to sense how God views me. Somehow, my efforts to be seen and known had the opposite effect. My attempts to impress God and others with my goodness and my rightness were simply bricks in the wall that served to distance me from them instead. Kurt Thompson writes in his book, Anatomy of the Soul, we unknowingly live out this resistance to being known in much of our lives, not the least of which is in our religious practice, as demonstrated by our obsession with knowing and believing the right things about God about Jesus, about our theology, and about our right behavior. This imbalanced way of being is often a defense against our feelings of insecurity and shame. A little while later, I attended a Lectio Divina retreat. I went into the day hopeful that God might help me move beyond this wall that still seemed to be in the way of freedom. The passage for the day was the story of the prodigal son, one I've heard many times. This time, the story made me weep. As a pastor's kid and a pastor's wife, I have always seen myself in the story as the older son, the one who did all the right things, but wasn't really sure his father cared. For the first time in my life, I saw myself as the younger son, the one who realized that all of his attempts to find love and belonging resulted in finding himself in a place of desperate need. And for the first time, I saw that place of desperate need as a gift. It is a gift to realize how much we need God. And for the first time, I was able to picture myself returning to God feeling unworthy to be called his daughter. And for the first time, I was able to picture him running to me, 
filled with compassion and affection and belonging and without shame and calling for a feast to celebrate. And over and over, I sensed him saying to me, you have a seat at the table, not because of anything I have or have not done to make myself worthy of love and belonging, but because of his deep father's love for me. And in that moment, I knew that something was different, that God was journeying with me around the wall, and I was finally able to see myself as he sees me and to recognize his love for me, brokenness and all. It was in that moment that I learned my second lesson of the Beloved. One of the surest ways that we can avoid Jesus is to avoid our brokenness. Living loved is never about proving our worthiness. It is only when we turn toward our sin and shame that we can discover a father running toward us, welcoming us to the table, whispering, all that I have is yours. It is up to us whether we will pull a seat up for the feast. And so today, friend, I leave you with these questions and some space to reflect. If it's helpful, I invite you to grab a journal to jot these thoughts down and ponder them throughout the week. Question one. Take a moment to consider which of the two sons you most relate with in the story of the prodigal son. Maybe you've always seen yourself in the story as the older son, like I once did. The one who did all the right things, but wasn't really sure the father cared. Or maybe you relate to the younger son who ran away from the father, breaking all of his rules. What do you notice as you reflect on these two characters in the story. And question two, what would it be like to place yourself in the story as the prodigal son, imagining the father running to you with arms wide open, regardless of what you have or have not done, calling for a feast to celebrate? Now, It's possible you'll feel drawn to this image. It's also possible you might feel some resistance to it. Whatever your response, I want you to just take a moment to pay attention to whatever stirs for you. Then, would you reflect with me for a minute and maybe even journal John 5, 39 and 40. I'm reading it from the message translation. Jesus is talking, and he says, You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest or the trees. These scriptures are all about me. And here I am, standing right before you. And you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we don't want to miss the forest for the trees 
all of scripture points to the redemption that you have offered for us and for the whole world. May we see you standing there with arms open wide, and may we be willing to receive the life that you offer when we offer to you our brokenness. It is in your strong name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Me When I'm Free. I hope you'll continue to join me on this journey toward wholeness. I'd love a traveling companion. My hope is that you'll see yourself in these stories that I share here. And if nothing else, you'll feel less alone. If you'd like to connect throughout the week, you can find me at Kaylee Arrett on Facebook and Instagram or at KayleeArrett.com. And if you haven't yet, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast and I'd be delighted if you left a review. Thanks for listening, friend. Let's meet back here next week.